Welcome to the Cinema Rat, where we celebrate the greatest and worst in Hollywood films and their most self-indulgent, narcissistic actors, directors, and producers. Here, we will laud and malign Hollywood's seedier elements with levity and humor. They love cinema as much as anyone does. They've been talking about it for over 30 years. Time to get trashy. Here's Gregory and May. Love, exciting and new, come aboard, we're expecting you, the love boat. Alright, today is Valentine's Day, so in honor of Valentine's Day, I thought it'd be fun to do an episode on the favorite rom-coms of Gregory. Uh, Now, this is not an all-inclusive list, these are just my personal favorites, like when I talk about movies I love... May's like, are you going to do The Godfather? Are you going to do Citizen Kane? I'm like, no, because they're not the movies I love. That series is about movies that I love, not movies that I necessarily respect. So I'm going to mention five rom-coms today and why I love these rom-coms. Valentine's is an interesting day because, I don't know if you know this, but men spend ten times more money on Valentine's Day than women do. Ten times. The average man spends about $600. On Valentine's Day, the average woman, 60. Hmm. What does that say? What does that say? And does romantic, unconditional love, romantic love, does that really exist? I wonder. I really do wonder. Why do I say that? Well, look, if if unconditional romantic love existed, we would still be in love with the first person we fell in love with. Oh, but Gregory, I mean, look, they cheated on you. I get that. Well, if they cheated on you, but you'd still love them even though they cheated on you. But the fact that we can fall out of love with people and move on to the next person tells you that I don't think unconditional romantic love exists. Maybe I'm a nihilist. I don't know. Either way, let's talk about these movies. Number five, I am going with My Best Friend's Wedding. This, of course, is... Julia Roberts, Cameron Diaz, and Dermal Moroni with his weird lip tick that he has. This movie is a great movie. May and I are going to do a versus. We've already done Affleck versus Damon. We're going to do Bullock versus Roberts. And I'm going to steal a little of the thunder on my take in that episode and say that Julia Roberts in her most iconic movies plays a very reprehensible characters. Always plays reprehensible characters. So in this movie, of course, she wants to break up the pending marriage of Cameron Diaz and Mulroney. And it's not because Cameron Diaz's character is a bad person. She's very sweet and nice. It's because she thinks that they deserve to be together, that Roberts deserves to be with Mulroney. But the movie's a cute movie. Look, it's it's got Julia Roberts before she got too gaunt and skinny. You got peak Diaz. I mean, Diaz is luminescent in this movie. And yeah, you got Dermot Mulroney, who's, who's, I mean, if you could do a, a, a casting recast, I mean, just put put uh, Dylan McDermott. People get them mixed up all the time. Dylan McDermott, Dermot Mulroney. Put him in this movie. Put anybody in this movie. It's kind of like in Monsters, Monster-in-Law with J-Lo and Jane Fonda. They put in Michael Vartan. It's like, oh my God, could, you couldn't find anybody better? Please. Anyways, it's iconic. It's got Rupert... Everett as the token gay character who, of course, in some ways steals the movie. He had a little career because of it afterwards. But it's great. It's got the uh, karaoke. It's got the singing. It's got her machinations trying to 
break up the the the, the, the marriage and it's just a, a fun rom-com now I'm not going to mention Notting Hill because I think Notting Hill is a way overrated rom-com. And that's another movie where Roberts plays an unlikable character and you just have Hugh Grant going, you're doing his typical Hugh Grant. But My Best Friend's Wedding is quite fun and rewatchable and nice. Number four, Sleepless in Seattle. Again, these are my favorites. These aren't like considered to be the best. I put Sleepless over When Harry Met Sally because When Harry Met Sally is great. Don't get me wrong. And I think it's a good insight into intersexual dynamics and a good insight into whether, as, as Billy Crystal's character talks about, can a man and a woman be friends? And you see their relationship played out. Uh, but I, I And I think the dialogue is great. I think Efron, I think Nora Efron did the dialogue on that, if I'm not mistaken. So, I mean, Efron's a genius. She's a great writer. I don't, I don't, I don't think she, oh, we don't have to say more about that. I just find Slippers in Seattle to be a more approachable movie. And I think it just has better leads. I think it has Meg Ryan at her most beautiful. I like long hair Meg Ryan. And of course you got Hanks. Hanks is very winning in that role. You have a rarity, a non-obnoxious Rosie O'Donnell in that movie. And it's got a great soundtrack, a wink and a smile from Harry Connick's in that. The premise is great. Just everything about that. You have our boy uh, Bill Pullman in there, who is in another classic rom-com, While You Were Sleeping with Sandra Bullock, but that's not in my top five, though I do like that rom-com. And the premise of that rom-com is just laughable. But either way, so he's kind of like the, the the beta provider, the beta that, that Meg Ryan's character is going to marry. You know, they have no sexual chemistry. There's nothing there. And then, you know, the, the funny thing about Sleepless in Seattle, I find, is like you, you have a woman who's theoretically in love with, with her fiancé, and then she does not know this other man, but she'll fly cross-continent to meet him. And then even without meeting him, she breaks up with her fiance before they meet at the Empire States Bunny. Now, I know this is supposed to be seen as romantic, but I don't know. It seems to me the mercurial nature of a female love, right? Or even a male love, whatever. But I mean, it's just kind of like, how can you fall in love with somebody that you haven't even met? But again, that's the rom-com, Gregory. Either way, it's it's great acting. And it's great that the children, the child actors in there, shout out to Abby Hoffman. She's great in that. It's just a great movie. It's one of my favorites. Number three, some kind of wonderful. Now, this is the hot take here. I, I wanted to include a John Hughes movie and I wanted to include a high school movie. So I went with some kind because I find some kind to be my favorite of the Hughes movies. I'm not saying it's the best one. I know people will typically say that Breakfast Club is the best of the John Hughes movies. I, I would argue the first half of Club is amazing. Second half to me gets a little too melodramatic when they're all sitting around and sharing their 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 trauma. At that point, I don't think it's as good of a movie. But that being said, let's take a quick break. I wanted to let you know about the other feeds that we have here at the Eclectico Gregorio channel. We have the Awakened Man, which has been around since the spring of 2017, which mostly focuses on having men and women reach their full potential by knowing about toxins in the food, big pharma cover-ups, and ways to biohack your life. 
We also have the Female Holistic Health Apothecary, which is a channel that originally started as an essential oils channel. And there's about 65 essential oils that are broken down over there. And then more recently, about two years ago, I just pivoted and made it more about female holistic health and naturopathic health because I'm a big proponent of let food be thy medicine and medicine be thy food. And lastly, we have the Confessions of an Obese Child feed, which I started in January 2017, which chronicles what it's like to be an overweight child. I was an overweight child and I lost over 100 pounds and kept it off for 30 plus years. So it's a channel, like if you have disordered eating or had a dysfunctional childhood, how to deal with that, how to how to function with that, and also discusses and I interview various people that have a similar background of dysfunctional childhood, binge eating, binge drinking, and how to deal with that. And there's a lot of great interviews over there. So those are the three other feeds at the Eclectico Gregorio channel. Now let's get back to the show. So if you're not familiar with some kind of wonderful, it has Eric Stoltz and Mary Stewart Masterson and Leah Thompson as the leads. And essentially, it's a flip of Pretty in Pink, which came out the year before. Pretty in Pink is probably the more famous movie with Molly Ringwald. John Hughes' Muse, starring as the poor girl who falls in love with Andrew McCarthy's character, who's a rich, the rich guy who has got the douchebag best friend played by the best of the douchebags. Who can be a better douchebag than Spader, James Spader? And then, of course, you have uh, Cryer playing Ducky. So in some kind, it's kind of a flip. Now Eric Stoltz is the poor guy, falls in love with the rich girl, Leah Thompson. The best friend now is the drummer, Watts, played by Mary. I was Mary Stewart Masterson. And it's just a great movie. I love that movie. And I don't know if it's because I could relate more to the poor nerd guy trying to get the girl than I can in Pretty in Pink, which I can't really relate to. And shout out to Pretty in Pink. You know, I, I love the, she's gonna make her own dress and then they show up at the prom and that dress is not attractive. It's not even a nice dress. But with some kind, it's just, it's great. Cause I think, I think Leah Thompson's character does a good job of like portraying like, I'm the beauty queen and everyone thinks I have a perfect life, but I really don't have a perfect life. And then, you know, there's just great lines in the movie. You know, you hurt him, I hurt you. And and Watts is the chauffeur driver on in, in, in the final date scene. And in the end, when they get together, it's just cute. It's a great movie. I just love that movie. And I wanted to do a high school movie. And honorable mention to, to All the Boys I Loved Before, which is a good Netflix movie, the original. But I wanted to go with some kind because I, I find that to be more rewatchable. Though I love To All the Boys I Loved Before as well. But some kind is more to my high school time, even though I think when it came out, I was in middle school. All right, my, my number two is How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. Now, look, I am not a Kate Hudson fan. I'm on record here. She is in my underrated, overrated actor episodes that I did with May. But the movie itself is charming. McConaughey is great in that movie. And it's got a great premise. And it's just really rewatchable just to see the early nods. I like watching just to see the fashions, kind of like with some kind of wonderful in these other dated ones to look at the fashions of the time. But How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, Kate Hudson is good in that, in that limited range and that she can be good in because she essentially plays the same character every time. But it's a cute movie. It's a, it's a great movie and it's got some heart. Now, my favorite rom-com is 500 Days of Summer. Now, many of you might not have seen this. It's got Zoe Deschanel and Joseph Gordon-Levitt in it. And look, 
Why do I love this movie? Because I think it's a very accurate portrayal of relationships. So if you're not familiar with this movie, it came out probably 12, 13 years ago. It chronicles the 500-day relationship between uh, Summer and, I can't remember, Joseph Gordon. I'll just call him Joseph, Joseph's character. And it goes back and forth in time. So at the beginning of the movie, at the very beginning, it's day 500. It's like day 400. And he's depressed because they're no longer together. And then it'll go into, it'll roll back to day one where she shows up at his card writing business where he works. And so it shows the beginning of the relationships. They both like the Smiths, for example. And then I'll fast forward to the relationships not working. Then it goes back and forth, back and forth. And I love that that kind of construct. I love that. And the the idea is they flip it too. So Zoe Deschanel is just you know it's playing Zoe Zoe Deschanel. She plays the same character pretty much too, but she's the one who does not believe in love. She doesn't believe in love. She just she doesn't believe in commitment because she's been hurt obviously, but she doesn't believe in love. And Joseph plays the romantic dude kind of the beta simpy i believe in love da, 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 da. and so in the movie you see their relationship kind of go that way and they eventually break up and he thinks they're going to get back together and so she reaches out to him to come to a party and they, they in web the director does this great scene where he splits the screen in half and on one side, you see how he perceives how the date, the, the night is going, and the other one is how it actually is. It's a great construct. And then at the end of that party, he realizes that she's engaged. And of course, he's devastated because she never believed in love. And so at the very end, he's an architect. He, he decides, because of all the things going on, to go back to being an architect. And he's sitting on the park bench that he used to show her that he, he likes in LA. And she shows up. and. There's this classic scene where, you know, he tells her, I'm devastated, how can you be engaged? And he says, I don't believe in love anymore after what happened. And she says, you don't understand. It's because I met you that I was able to fall in love. But it just wasn't meant to be with you. And for a long time, people saw that line as just being really cruel and hurtful. But it's honest to the character, and I think it's honest to the, the plot and character development of all these characters uh, for her to say that. Either way, at the end, he's going to an interview to, to work as an architect, and the person he's competing with for the job is peak Minka Kelly, and then he asks her out, and then you find out her name is Autumn. But the reason I love this movie, I just think it's cleverly written, and I just I like movies that are authentic about relationships and the ups and downs and how people fall out of love, fall in love. There's a scene where at the beginning he's like, you know, all the things I love about Summer, the dimple on her chin, the way she laughs, stuff like that, and then at the end, all the things I hate about Summer, the dimple on her chin, the way she laughs. There's just a lot of truisms, universal truths that are mind in this movie and this is why it will likely always be my favorite romantic comedy i'm not saying it's the best or the highest percentage on rotten tomatoes or critically lauded but again this is all subjective this is just my favorite romantic comedy of the last 50 years now really quickly i do want to do some honorable mentions because you're like well gregory what about four weddings and a funeral four weddings and a funeral is too much of hugh gray go uh, 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 uh. Anyway, Andy McDowell's character is horrible and that she's cheating 
behind her fiance's back and she admits to having 33 lovers and just being a whore and he still wants to be with her. What else? Princess Bride, I don't really consider a romantic comedy to me. That's more of kind of a fantasy movie. I would say the same thing about Jerry Maguire. That is not really a rom-com to me. There's something about Mary I find to be a little too dark for me to, to put up there. As I mentioned, Princess Bride to me is more of sci-fi than, than romantic comedy. Uh, Ghost, not a big fan of Ghost. Bull Durham to me is more about baseball. More about baseball. Clueless to me is not really a rom-com between Alicia Silverstone and Paul Rudd. That's more of a high school comedy. Pretty Woman, I think, is you know reprehensible in that it makes everybody think that all prostitutes have a heart of gold and they're like Julia Roberts. Say Anything, Cameron Crowe's classic, I think is way overrated. I think that is an exceedingly overrated movie. What else? While You're Sleeping, I think is a great movie. The Wedding Singer, to me, is more of a comedy. I don't see that as a classic rom-com. And again, we're not talking about you know, romance movies. You know, Love Story, is it going to be on this? This is more of the rom-coms. Bridget Jones' Diary, the first one, I think is a well-done movie, and that, that would be in my honorable, honorable mention. Sweet Home Alabama is a cute movie, though I think Reese Witherspoon's character is reprehensible in that movie, and it's got a lot of Southern stereotypes that I'm not particularly keen of. My Big Fat Greek Wedding, I think, is a great movie, but that's more about kind of the Greek culture and fish out of water. Dirty Dancing, to me, I would not consider a rom-com. I'd say number six would be Can't Buy Me Love, the old Patrick Dempsey, rest in peace, Amanda Peterson, rom-com, high school rom-com of the late 80s. I think that is a great movie. Runaway Bride, I don't think is a good movie at all. Uh, and, and you know Shakespeare in Love, Chocolat, some of these these Miramax movies to me are not classic rom-coms. Guys, I will post a poll over at the Cinema Rack Facebook group. You let me know what is your favorite rom-com of the last 40 years. Lastly, there's two links in the episode notes. One's for PayPal. If you want to make a donation to help defray the cost of hosting this on the server, I would appreciate that. And also there's a link to the website that hosts all the feeds of the Eclectico Gregoria series. Until next time, take care. God bless. Thanks for listening to the Cinema Rag. Please post an honest review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Check out the episode notes to visit our website and to make a donation. Lastly, follow the rag today. Until next time.